TV Community Podcast. I'm your host, KB. I'm here with Brian Ricardo, and we're discussing the fundamentals of game design and the mini series. Let's get right into the podcast. Yeah, I like your Kahala pod. Okay, yeah, it's so like half of my Steam library. It's the same. It sounded very good at the time, and I never even installed the game. Is it the worst? Right. You buy a game, you never play it, and you're like, damn it. Exactly. All the time. You have like all these games. You're like, where's the money going? Oh, yeah, the games I never play. <laughs> yeah, I stopped buying games a long time ago. Yeah, I'm good. I'm gonna do that after Cyberpunk. I think the last five or six games I installed on my Steam were free at some point. Yeah, you get the same thing from uh, Unreal now, right? The Epic Store has. Yeah, like they a give free you so game. many free stuff. Yeah, and then you're like, yeah. when am I gonna use it? I'm not. I just add it to the library. I won't. Yeah, you won't. You're like, I can make all these cool games. You're like, first I learn how to make it, and you're like, all right. The game I want to make doesn't want to use any of those assets, so thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. The assets are a problem. Yeah. yeah. Free shit every month that you never use. <laughs> it's like the free games yeah, again on PS Plus. Like, I well, will never play these games. Like, won't you feel like an idiot when you want to use that asset and you have to go buy it? And you're like, oh, it was free a year ago. Well, I still download oh, them yeah. and have them in my storage, right. but I never use them. That's how I cheat the system. To answer your question, so this is going to be a mini series essentially because we're going to have Rick on at episode 30. I already asked him, you, you know, you run the Slack. So he's going to yeah. come on asking questions, preferably related on game design. Nice. So I was like, why don't we do it? And I was also taking this uh, Will Wright masterclass and he, you know, gave me inspiration. I was like, why don't we teach or explain game design? I really teach, but explain it to where people can take this and learn it on the road and apply it to the games they're making. So, you know, We'll talk about the fundamentals. So this course, this first episode of the mini series, is going to be explaining what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks, leading up to the podcast of Rick. We'll talk about a bunch of stuff like game concept.
checking out this uh this book on the fundamentals of game design as a textbook and they talk about five domains of play which is novelty challenge simulation harmony and threat and so as we go throughout this mini series we can go deeper into all of them but for instance novelty it's like a story you know how do you get people involved into figure out oh what's going on here why is why is the princess taken like where did they go figure that out or we got a challenge which is we'll, we'll discuss in depth about how to create challenging levels game moments uh sequences where players have to choose between going this way to fight enemies going right to find a chest going straight to find a secret uh room or something like that because making the game challenging it really depends on what you're going for because it could be a challenging as like technical like it's like a math game it could be challenging as in like strategy where you're like where are you going to put the uh, pieces like a civilization how you're going to build your city how you can do stuff like that uh challenging as in like a multiplayer game learning skills all that stuff depends on what kind of game you're making and while making a game as a game designer there's a lot of genres that you can make a game so we'll talk about how we can use different genres to develop the game we want to make and how we can mix and match different genres to make something new we'll talk about simulation where we can get more of like social engagement where we can talk about players can come together for instance like there was a game called well, there was a service called playstation home on the playstation where the goal was to bring people into a hub and then send them into the game world it's a place for people to connect and it became something different instead of it being a place where people go to to meet and then play a game it was people just went to meet and hang out and have a party and have a blast and you might create something totally different that was different from the game design that you initially thought of then we have harmony which is like it's the quality of the game, the feeling of the game, like, for instance, the sound aesthetic, the uh, the design of it, the colors, the uh, art, the um, the models, everything about the game. For instance, like, Little Big Planet, it was a very fun game, different, like, designs. You can also create your own, people can create their own levels. And that's also a cool thing about game design is because you can think about, do you want to make a game where people do what you intended them for to do? Or are you making, like, a tool set where you go, hey, here's a game. Mario Maker. Yeah, exactly. You can do whatever you want. But you're the, you're, you decide the the win state. You decide what's going to be the goal of your like like for instance, roller coaster tycoon. Is it going to be to build the biggest park, or is it going to be the craziest park of all the roller coasters like destroying itself and stuff like that? You decide. It's your game. No, you don't. No one else decides how you're going to win. And then threat goes back to like you know fighting uh, the threat levels of like how hard the game is, the difficulty, and even how that plays into designing it. Do you want the game to be just easy, medium, hard, or do you want it to be like once you get to the harder level, it's more of a strategy instead of it just being tougher bosses, stuff like that. So there's some other topics. So, for instance, maybe the second uh, episode in our series, we're going to talk about building prototypes, how important prototypes are, why it's, it's, it's really essential, for especially if you have a limited budget, to make sure that you're not building something that later on you end up, nobody likes playing. It's 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 not going to be feasible to make. It's just it's too much going on. We're going to discuss fundamental design questions you should be having with your team or with yourself about everything, the art, the story, the programming. We're going to be talking about how games can borrow from different design fields and you can use that to build something uniquely its own. We'll talk about the balancing act between balancing what you want to create with what you can create and yada 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 do you guys have any other things that we should cover on in the next couple of weeks 
Yeah, I think it's important to mention in terms of prototyping uh, of how important it is in terms of you're not only testing new mechanics, uh, especially when you're getting started. If you are doing everything on, on your own, you're uh, learning different scenarios in terms of programming, you know, of modeling, if you're doing your own models, maybe. Uh, but ideally, you're doing simple prototypes just to show the general feel and idea you want. You implement like two or three mechanics. What would be your core mechanics? So uh, you can test yourself. Ideally, someone else also tests because you're going to have a bias towards your own things. Oh, yeah. I mean, have you seen uh, people with ugly children? No oh my God! Is they have ugly children? <laughs> I mean, but some subjective. are. <laughs> I would agree with other people that that's probably a really a really good step, especially early engagement as well. You know, even at the very beginnings of what you're kind of doing yeah. to get some general feedback, it's amazing just some basic concepts that you can implement even in a prototype stage that people can just get their hands on and get a general idea of whether the thoughts fun or not, you know, and I, I've implemented a couple different cool. prototypes over the years on like iPads and stuff just to kind of play around. But, you know, very simple games using mostly just the physics of the game engines and you find out really quick if that's kind of fun and then you kind of know what your next steps are. I think the next other other kind of point I would make, especially when you kind of talk about prototyping and, and coding is almost set yourself up with a plan you can't just go in and code because what you find is that what you're working on in one moment shifts to another idea and you don't stay focused and you don't complete one segment of what you're working on i'm not going to say complete that sounds wrong but you're not going to get it to kind of a prototype level because you get sidetracked and try to do other things almost like you got bored of that segment but it's still a key part of the game so you, you got to kind of have almost plan your own sprint cycles on what you want to see yeah. yourself get accomplished. Finish that sprint cycle before you implement another feature. Yeah, and uh, you touch a good point again uh, in terms of prototypes. It's important to know in which stage of your development you are. If you are in POC stage, if you are going towards an MVP or if you're going for a full release, try to go through those, uh, especially proof of concept you will save yourself a lot of time just by realizing your proof of concept doesn't work or maybe it works in different ways in ways you didn't expect maybe some mechanic you thought would be super fun sucks <laughs> or something you yep. thought would be just something extra on the side is the most fun exactly yeah what do you think are some examples of great games that have great games then Oh, that's hard. I guess at the end of the day, you know, it depends on the genre. Mm -hmm. But if I go back to some older, I would say, like a Battlefield 1942, mm -hmm. at least the one from, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, while it's just kind of that standard 32 people against 32 people on a map kind of game, they did it really well. They didn't... You know, by today's standard, probably not as good as some of the more modern versions of Battlefield, but 
the overall play was very fun. It was just that kind of fast-paced shoot 'em up. It didn't, it didn't throw a lot of unnecessary stuff in there. They didn't overly complicate the end goal. Um, you know, it's a game that certainly had many, many hours of you know play time on it. I enjoyed. Yeah, and it came out in the time that there were millions of World War II shooters, and it managed to have its different. Uh, I see it had vehicles, which was something that other games didn't have. Yeah, and it was Airplanes. one of the most fun. <laughs> yeah, like that's the important of a... like Medal of Honor, like first Medal of Honor. Uh, it was fun, but like, yeah, yeah, it was just people shooting each other. And Battlefield, you could, you know, hop on a plane and shoot people from the sky. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Call of Duty was another one that I really enjoyed the first Call of Duty. It kind of slid yeah. off from there. I don't know what I didn't like about the subsequent versions. I'd have to go back and replay them. But... You didn't like the second one or the third one? Uh, they were okay, but they didn't really capture what the first one did. Wow. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I the first one I thought. Hundreds just... of hours there, yeah. Yeah, and, wow. and and those were kind of games that I think I just I played through the story. I didn't really do a lot of just kind of one-off playing the maps. I just played the story through and enjoyed the game. The story was not overly complex, you know, kind of a get to the end of each level and progress. But you know, they threw in certain challenges. I remember the the, the Russian level where they basically gave you either ammunition or a gun in the beginning. You had one or the other, and it was like great. I need the other piece now or I'm going to be useless on the battlefield. So you had to kind of run around until you found a gun or ammunition for it. Um, you know, little things like that that just kind of created an interesting, fun gameplay, but just done well. The mechanics were done well. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, of, uh, Oh, my bad. You go, Ricard. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, like, do something well. Don't try to do a bunch of stuff. Do one mechanic really well. It might be better than, well, it is better than a game that it's kind of meh and all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes that focus gets to draw, trying to throw too much into a game. And yeah, uh, No Man's Sky. And almost needlessly come, yeah, that's a good, I haven't played No Man's Sky, but a lot of the reviews are kind of, were, were negative. I hear that it's gotten a lot better now. Yeah, they bit a lot more than they could chew. Yeah. They've, apparently, they've achieved all that they achieved. They just should have yeah, waited. Yeah, like five years after. Yeah, five yeah. years later. But now, I mean, I hear it's great. They got VR now. Yeah, I heard that as well. I'm it's actually just, considering it, buying it. Yeah, see? So it's like, there's a lot of things that go into game design. Yeah, but we'll they, they had to rebuild. They had a pretty bad launch because they tried to do everything. Well, they right. tried to do it all and then release it like right then and there. When they yeah. should have been like, this is an open beta. We're going to. It's not everything, but it's going to be improved upon with weekly, yeah. monthly updates. Yeah, and that model works, right? I mean, like yeah. if you look at game like Fortnite. Ark, Ark yeah. Fortnite, you know, they all can add in content over time. And I'm sure that when Wildcard built Ark, they had a lot of dreams of what it looked like. Yeah. Yet they had to pare it down to what they could realistically put into an alpha, beta, whatever you want to call it. And then it's like, well, we're just going to release new objects, new dinosaurs, new lands later as DLCs over time. And, you know, they get some pushback because everyone wants it out of beta, like it's a full-blown game. It's like, actually, I'm happy with it kind of constantly being developed. 
I'm okay with that. It's weird to say that it's an alpha and they have five DLCs out for it, but I also played a thousand hours on the game, so I certainly got my 50 bucks out of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's another thing, uh, especially if you're doing that model, it's important to know what you want to achieve and what your core is, so you can, you need both. Yeah. You need to know where you're going towards and you need to know what you need to release. Um, and in terms of design, that comes from finding out what is the actual core of your game, what you want to, right. to have as the thing the player is doing most of the time. Yeah. And then you can plan on, well, extras. <laughs> yeah. So for all game dev TV students, whether it's, you know, learning how to program or just game development, you're trying to achieve something, trying to learn a skill, trying to do, learn more, be more. So as in taking this game design miniseries, listening to these podcasts, you're hoping to improve game knowledge and all that stuff and design out. So we build a map for where we're going to go. And it's not easy because there's a lot of process to the game design. For instance, you can make a great game like Battlefield and then the next game won't be the same, but yet you've used the same concepts and you're like, what's, why is it not the same? What, what do we go wrong? What, what fundamental design questions did we fail in the second game that should have been as good as the first one? And then design is constrained. So, for instance, we maybe Battlefield, you designed it where it's supposed to be a certain way. And you, con you continued with the same constraints in the second game, and it only felt like the same game, just less less value, less, um, what's that word, where you like see something new? It's, it doesn't feel new. It's, it's not fresh. It's, it's the same thing. I guess it's well, I think that falls on your will right, you know, that that's novelty, right? Yeah. It's exactly it's not it it doesn't have the same uniqueness and magic that the first one maybe did. And even though a first person shooter is not unique, there are it, still yeah. ones that come out that are very successful because they've just they they captured something with the players. And like a Fortnite, the, the idea of a Fortnite's not, I mean, you could go into the battle royale side and say that they kind of pioneered that model. Yes, but did they? I mean, the only thing that they did is they kind of made your world get smaller and smaller. They let you build. But if I go back to a 1942, that's a Fortnite. It's just a very simplified version of it, right? Yes. You still run around and shoot people. Didn't change that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think as uh, we move forward with more and more games being released, uh, it's even more important to find what your game does well. What is mm -hmm. your core mechanic? Why, why should I play your game and not a AAA title? That is probably going to be free to play because nowadays many games are. Yeah. Or, or I'll get by like five bucks on Steam. Yeah, exactly. I think psychology comes into it too a little bit, right? You know, mm -hmm. get, get to understand your your player base and what they're looking for. Some players want, you know, like iPad and iOS games and, and, and mobile games in general, right? They're not meant to be long, lengthy, story-driven games. They're they're idle games that you can kind of just play yeah. a few minutes here a few minutes on there the, on the bus 
Exactly. So Most know that that's your target. If you're making a game for mobile, don't make Elder Scrolls. Of course, they just came out with Elder Scrolls for it, right? But at the end of the day, it's it's not probably the best platform for that kind of a game. Yeah. You know? Well, that's why you also have to have, you know, ask a bunch of questions when designing the game. It's like, sure, we're making Elder Scrolls, but it's not the same Elder Scrolls that you see on the consoles. And that's another reason why there's a lot of, you know, pitfalls, because lots of people expected, like, think Diablo, right? And then they came on a mobile game, and it was, like, the worst reception ever. And it was just, they were, like, booed off the stage. And it was just, like, it was horrible. Because, you know, you it's not the same game. Even though it says Diablo, it's not the same thing. And But if you can design in a way that's fun, but usually it's just microtransactions, and it, it's really hard. It just depends what you want to do. And some of that is just, you know... Not the design of the game designers, but the design of executives and people who want to make the business, you know, make money. Yeah, people who thought they could replicate what they already did. Yeah. And that becomes part of a problem, especially if they're changing a lot of variables on the original project. Mm-hmm. And then think that it's going to be just as good, but it's like, but it's not the same thing either. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you gotta, it's a balancing act. Mm-hmm. So as we go through all the um, courses and guide you guys in the design process, we have to ask, what is the point of designing things? No, no, that's not the word. But what is what is the tool set you're trying to like build? For instance, when you're making your game on the game set, the TV course, are you designing it to be an adventure game or you're designing it to be a game where somebody can pick up something and draw or, or make something of their own and you have you, you start to wonder what are games is it is it something that's just a story or a movie or is it something beyond that where it's like no the games are something of of its own it's a, something where you can actually interact with it where you can make the choices in the game where you can decide how events in the game are going to fall out you're going to decide certain characters are going to live or die you're going to decide if environments are going to be explored or not you're you're in control of every single thing that's going to happen and as a game this was those are all the players so as a game designer you have to think about all the certain aspects into it and you have to really think that in the core as you're studying the core focus of why you're designing it the way you are so as you continue to learn you should design everything you should draw wisdom from different places. And that's a very important one. It's like, so how does somebody design the food when they're cooking? How do they make it from something that's just found in the ground to a five-star Mich- or three-star Michelin dish? How did they get from there to there? And wh- what was the process behind it? How did they think about it? How do they think about the, the way that people are going to perceive it? How did they create the aesthetic around them to receive it? Because some you might create it a first-person game. And it might be the same as if you had a game, but at the end, they somehow in this environment receive it in a totally different way. And you, you really won't know that unless you test it with a bunch of people. You have to, So, like, for instance, we have all these Call of Duty games, and they, they seem like they should be successful. And in, in a way, they are, but they fail at fundamental design, as in making people play the game for its, its aesthetic and its fun value. More of it's just like it's something we should do because it's the same tool we've been receiving for a long time. And that's why most Call of Duties now are changing their, their form, formula so much, they don't know who they are anymore. So this new one, they're trying to go back to their roots and stay boots on the ground, boom, boom. 
and change a couple design things, but we'll see where that goes. It just it depends on what the players want and what you can provide that's different from the old games. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of, you know, when you're talking a franchise game like a Call of Duty, it kind of brings me back to more of a, the first thing that kind of popped in mind was like a StarCraft or a World of Warcraft. And those games, when you started looking at design, they were trying to tell a story in those games. And I think a lot of people, while the gameplay was very good and fun, people were playing the game also because they wanted to see the story to the end. Yeah. And they were willing to buy subsequent versions because... They liked the characters. They liked the characters. They wanted to see what happened next, and whether it was a expansion pack for the same game or a second version of the same game. They wanted to see a story continue to the end, and I think that that's partially where they hooked a lot of people into the Warcraft was... You know, or the, yeah, whatever, how Blizzard hooked them in was they were just telling a good story that resonated with people. Yeah. It's kind of like watching see... Star Wars. Yeah. I'm not a big Star Wars fan. I, I Okay. I should rephrase that maybe before I, I get a million emails. Um, <laughs> I like the Star Wars movies, but if you really look what brings people into it, people like the story. I'm not going to say the acting is superb in it. It's not, you know, the visuals no, are yeah. very good. But I have to say one thing today. I feel like it's because for me, I don't really like the like I'm I like the original the story didn't really grab me. I mean, kind of it does, but what really grabbed me was the fact that I could be in that world and everything around it I can interact with. So I love the fact that they make games out of it. That's why I like right. the prequels. I didn't like the movies as much as I mean they're good movies. I watch it, but they're not like the greatest right. movies. Well, that's what I'm thinking. The the first three, you know. Yeah, but when you but those movies provided a whole plethora of games. That you can have huge space battles, wars, Jedi versus Sith, and it's the craziest thing in the world. And it's just that. It's just the, the environment. Just, it, uh-huh. Many things can happen to it, and it can be some games can be good, some movies can be good, some stuff can be bad. But it's that, that world that was created. Exactly. So you take the same thing with World of Warcraft, right? You got never really played World of Warcraft much, but I mean, the, the Warcraft crowd progressed to the World of Warcraft. They wanted to be in that world and play in that space. Yeah, they created the base story, and like you can see with numbers, with wow, like whenever they release a new expansion, there's going to be a bunch of new story coming on, and out of the sudden, the servers are full again. Exactly. Yeah. Even uh, from people that haven't played in like two, three years, just come in, play the new expansion, get the characters to the new max level, play the story, and they're done. Uh, Yes. They're different types of players, and while a game that gets those, like gets the guys that play for the story, get the competitive guys that play arena all day, and they get the guys that have like to role play, I think. <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, you know, everything gets drawn. I, I'll go back to Ark again. It's kind of the same thing. I'm not much to do a lot of the clan playing, but I like to get into the dino world and build stuff and kind of have that freedom of creativity and you know that's just part of the game same thing while you go into like uh conan exiles or space engineers or you know just a few other games where it's like you just kind of have that open world experience and that's something that i look for in a game i don't 
you know, a lot of games don't have a great story to them or, or I don't feel like paying the price of $60 for a great story, but, uh, you know, an open-ended game, I kind of enjoy, I like tycoon games, um, you know, different genre, obviously, but there's something that typically appeals and, and that kind of comes down to the mechanics of the game or the challenge. You know, you look at something like Ark. I don't find there'd be much of a challenge to the game. It's literally just time invested playing it. As you get higher level, you get better gear. And like most games, your better gear far surpasses any of the older gear. So you never look back kind of thing. It's not really a challenge in that kind of genre. It's just more invested time that they're looking for. Yeah, uh, I think one good way to learn a, a bit about game design is when you're playing a game, try to think think of the design. Like, Look yeah. at it and think, why is it this way and not the other? Is it just to stand out in front of the crowd or is there a deeper meaning? Yeah, you look, at, it, look at it with a it critical better. eye. Yeah. Yeah, I think a good place to to actually learn a lot of game design is playing board and card games. Yep. Because it's much simpler. Like if you get a game like Hearthstone, for instance, it's electronic, but it's a card game, <laughs> and it's very simple. Like, why does it have like five attack instead of six? Yeah. Yeah. What was the cutoff? That's point, a right? great question. Like, why? Mm -hmm. yeah. Why is the board the way it is? Or yeah. Yeah. What was the design for making it electronic? What was the thinking of that? Yeah. Another uh, thing is where, um, as you take any of the courses or even listen to this podcast, we try to promote learning to think. And I love this quote here. It says, every truth has four corners. As a teacher, I give you one corner and it's for you to find the other. And it's supposed to be Confucius. And you would think, oh, why don't you just give me all corners? Just because you'll never learn. You'll never learn if everything's handed to you. You take a little bit. You explore that. And that's what the game TV does. They give you questions, I mean, challenges. So they tell you to teach you some stuff, give you a challenge, say, hey, I gave you a little bit, go figure it out on your own. Speaking of the challenges, do the challenges. <laughs> yes, do the challenges, please. Yes. And if post it on here and we'll, we'll, we'll make a little community, little area where we can talk about challenges and then promote them and then put them on a podcast if you do a great job in some of the like design uh, challenges. For instance, the game dev uh, Unity 3D game kit course, or yeah, post all those uh, small levels you make, and then t you can talk about all the design process about that, building yeah. levels, building gameplay moments, building little crystals where you can like, oh, is the thing up there? What is that going to do? You go to the crystal, lights up, the door has a little crystal, lights up, you're like, oh, you get the player thinking, you build these little things, you build an asset over here, you have to dodge that, but then over here is a chest, you're like, which way should I go? There's a lot of things you can do in one level. And you got to do to do the challenge, and you can learn a lot. Yeah. RPG course is a great example of that too, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to do the Unity RPG course. Make it your own. You know, it, you you've gotten to the point on the RPG course that you're past the beginner stage already, kind of going into it. Obviously, everyone's going to have different levels of comfortability with Unity at that point, but that that RPG course is really, in my opinion, designed for you to to really make it your own compared more to if you look like a brick breaker or project boost they're they're pretty you can do your own levels right but you can't really you're not ready to make it your own too much unless you get further along you can do a lot of games out of those two 
models, right? But well, you, when I look yeah. at like when I look at the RPG course, you can write your own story, you can create your own monsters, you can create your own world. It's 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 very different, and it's really to me, Rick has made that course to 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 be modified. Yeah, but also I think you should also mess around with the smaller mm. uh, sections because it's easier to mess around with than a big RPG. And also you can study, like, like you can test one game design right. uh, fundamentals. You can go, okay, for prototyping, let me make this block breaker game, let me tweak it a little bit, and then have 10, 20 people test it, really to understand what it's like to have people play a game. Because that's yeah. a whole other thing, too, and we'll discuss in another episode, with the whole testing process, prototype process. You have to bring people in, you can't tell them how to play the game, because then you're cheating the system, yada, yada, yada. And then also you do another one where you can... Well, you have to tell them how to play, them. right? Well, no, you can figure it out on your own. Yeah, you can you can put it in the game. <laughs> here, this is what you're supposed to do, but you let them Not play what wait. you made. Yeah, you let them play with what you made, and you realize, wow, they don't know how to play. I didn't make it clear. I didn't do anything. I need to go back yeah, and remake the whole that's game. That's a big point. I think right. that's yeah. something a lot of people, especially people who come from very complicated games, they think everyone wants to play wiki games. <laughs> that's not no. true no. at all. Most yeah. people want to get into the game, have all the information inside the game. Ideally, well, you can have some very like end game or very random secrets hidden or and hidden in some way, either having to figure out or find in game like a secret book in a hidden dungeon. But ideally, it's in the game. Like, yeah, if you're releasing a game in South Korea, you can have a wiki game because apparently they like wiki grindy games. But overall, uh, the player wants to be able to immerse themselves, and nothing breaks immersion more than alt tabbing into a wiki page. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, it, I, I know what you're saying. It's sometimes certain games lend themselves to it more than others, though, right? Yeah, you know any of, of the the open world games. There's just kind of it's hard to put that content into a game, or it's not easy to make it uh, recallable by the player, just yeah. because of the depth and the complexity. Yeah, but there are the ways of doing it. Like it's there like are. an extra. Like it's something. Yeah, you might explore and find it, and if you don't, you don't lose anything by not doing it. Take like a foul out. You can just straight up go towards the end. And yeah, you can do it and you have your fun. You finish right. the story. Or you can do a bunch of side quests and be super strong when you get to the end missions and have them be super easy. Mm -hmm. It depends a lot on the player type, but it's different from like having like a base mechanic being kind of hidden. Like, uh, I, I realized this uh, when I tried to play uh, Ragnarok with my wife. I don't know if you know the game, but uh, it's Korean RPG. Okay. And, like, uh, yeah, you have a tutorial at the start, but, like, it's, it's like, people don't want to read a wall of text. No. no. Nobody does. And, like, it's, because nowadays on WoW, what happens is you level up, your stats go up, and everything is kind of automatic, right? And in Ragnarok, first of all, it's super grindy. grindy. It takes you like 
month to get max level. And you have to put your own stat points. Wow. And that becomes a problem, especially if you don't know what the stat points do. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go so figure it out. Like, like some text. of that wiki stuff comes in. Yeah, handy. and there's no way for setting. <laughs> so yeah. like if you screw up and waste five months and your character sucks, yeah, you gotta start from the beginning. Oh, five months stop. Yeah, see that, that yeah. But I know where you're going. I guess you know some games, like World of Warcraft, for example, or you know other games where you do your own stats. It's some of those mechanics have gotten so intuitive, yeah, for a lot of players because just years of playing the same game mechanics. Yeah, but like as you, you say that because like you came from like tabletop RPGs. You came right. from and like. If, to get someone who never played a tabletop RPG and to look at it, it's not even written, it's like SCR, DEX, AGI. True. Hint. Yeah. Like, you know, what yeah, is that? I, I would say some games certainly would benefit a lot from like in game tooltips. You know, oh, yeah. Hover over and get information. It's just kind of like there's a lack of. Yeah, I think Diablo has certain that value. If you hover. They might your stats i think it says what it does yeah uh, but it has to be ideally uh you have something i think diablo also has that or torchlight like you have to confirm when you level up like you can put the stats and i can't remember it, it, and i don't think torchlight did once you speaking once you of torchlight it was funny you're talking about game design i enjoyed torchlight and i was playing it because i think i got it from free from epic Going strong all the way to the end, and that last battle is. I didn't the, finish it. <laughs> I, I I couldn't finish the last battle. My character is not strong enough to to win, and it's funny because literally everything up to that point is not a problem. It's that one you last thing. It's like to me, design... it's almost like I think it's a design flaw. Okay. They, they, yeah, it was probably meant to be played as a team. Could be meant to be played as a team. That would make but then the rest help. should be around the same. The rest of the final dungeon or something yeah, should be I mean, around the same difficulty level. Not the so last hard. character that you had to beat is just so much more challenging than everything leading up to it. I'm okay with it being a little bit of a challenge, but when it went from I don't know, call it a level six challenge to just right to a level 10. It's like, well, what happened to seven, eight, and nine to ratchet me up to that level? You just threw something way stronger at me that's just kind of, that I fundamentally, like you were saying, screw up my character in one way where I'm not balanced out yeah. enough to. And there take is no the way end to guy. reset your stats, right? Right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, from a fundamental design, that, that to me just seems weird. You know, it was a fun game. I enjoyed it. It was not a very long game. But, you know, I don't know. Never yeah, went to the you know, there's a lot of side quests. I didn't do any of the side quests. So oh. I just did the story quest. And that's, you know, maybe if I went back and did a lot of side quests, I'd get better gear and who knows what and be able to challenge that. But side quests to me are exactly that. They're side quests, right? They're not meant to be required to complete yeah. the game. You know, if, if someone's going to tell me, oh, well, you just got to do a bunch of side quests and you'll have enough stuff. And it's like, well, they're not really side quests anymore. True. Or grind. Yeah, that's the other one, right? And and, and 
certain games, especially the MMOs, are notorious for lots of grinding, you know? Yeah, I'd say, uh, especially if you look at WoW nowadays, like the way, well, I'd say around Lich Kings, so like 10 years ago, it was <laughs> at a very good point. <laughs> like, Because yeah. uh, one of the reasons WoW was so successful compared to other similar games that came out a little before is that, first of all, death is not even half as punishing as any other RPG at the time. You had most games, you lost items. The less punishing at the time, you lost XP, which at higher levels was like, hey, you lost a day of grind. Good luck. Yeah. Also, the way uh, at the start, when they released, they had some problems with uh, you finishing an area and not being the necessary level for the next area. But that's something they fixed later on. So uh, the game was meant for you to go from an area to the next. If you want to just, yeah, rush your character to the max level. Because uh, the main point of RPGs is that when you're starting, you're having fun because your numbers are going up. You're hitting higher, you're killing, like, huge dragons instead of rats. Uh, but then when you get to the late game, is where the game begins. And it's very hard to keep a player engaged if you don't have a lot of content there. Yeah. So, like, you see sometimes that games come out with very grindy early levels, so people don't get to the max level before they finish making content. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, it's a tough balance there, right? I mean, yeah. a lot of those games, especially the MMOs, are tough. I feel like once players are progressed to kind of the end stage of where they, the pinnacle, the game's kind of lost some of its fun at the same time, at least yeah. for myself. Because there was... I'm not going to say there's still not a challenge or not harder creatures to fight, but it's lost its appeal from all the time you kind of spent to get to that point. Now it's like that you're there, you can do whatever you want. What's the point, you know? Yeah. Like, I kind of remember playing, uh, oh, it was one of the Star Wars games. Which and, uh, how old? Like, like really old or? Really old. Old Republic, uh, maybe? Old not Republic. that old, but yeah, it's not that old. Uh, yeah, the old one is. They had another MMO before. No, it wasn't an MMO. Oh. No, it was a standalone mm. game. Okay. Um, yeah, there's the Old Republic series. Knights of the Old Republic, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, all in all, by the time you got to the end of that game, my little Jedi was like the super soldier. Nothing <laughs> was a challenge. It kind of became a little boring but you finished out the story just because you kind of want to see where it was going to go but you know it was a good game but my character had progressed so far that the last like level or two just were kind of boring yeah i think you that know? it's kind of a problem with single player games that have progression it's very easy to because you're trying to compensate for the fact that you're playing alone uh it's yeah. easy to have the player be too strong like takes Elder Scrolls, like Skyrim, <laughs> takes me like an hour to, well, two hours to be super broken and the game loses all the fun. Yeah. And like yeah. Uh, a good example of what you were saying, that when you get to max level, uh, yeah, sometimes you get bored. Like I used to play RuneScape. I got max level like last year. I never logged in once right. after. You kind of like reached it. Yeah. Okay, it took me like a year of in-game time. 
well, it, right. I did get my fun of of that, but exactly, you know, like it's, it's just still like I never logged in, never. Yeah, other games do it well though. Like no. The Witcher, I thought did it really good. Mm-hmm. The Witcher, I, I thought never was, played The Witcher. Never you really the need Witcher. to. You really, it's like, it's a good game. It's a good it's a game. game. Yeah, but and I if I don't like I, it, I can go across the river and just kick their asses. There you go. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, I thought that that game was challenging all the way to the end. And it wasn't an unrealistic challenge. It was just, it, you know, by the time, like that last final boss fight, it took me several attempts. But it wasn't too hard. Got it. But it was hard. No, it wasn't too hard. It was certainly, like, I, I look at, like I was saying, like Torchlight. I could probably do that thing for a week straight and never beat it. I hate that. It took me 10 goes, maybe, Witcher, who knows back then how long it took, you know. But it wasn't on a realistic one. Uh, another okay. game pop on my head that was the that was same me way. God of War. I chose God of War mode. Mistake. I made it to yeah. the end. Beat I so know. the boss I, is like four health bars. Beat all three. Couldn't beat the last one. I gave up after like spending two whole days trying to beat. Yeah, I don't know. I'm of the philosophy too. that you never play anything outside of max difficulty level. Really? <laughs> yeah, I never do it. See, I'm more of a casual gamer, I guess, when it comes to some of that stuff. I, I am kind of playing for the story, so I just play it at, like, the normal level and, and yeah. just kind of want to progress. Yeah, if it's I super do... hard, I'm going to get super bored, and I'm just going to move yeah. on. Yeah, I do tend you know? to not finish a lot of games as well. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, like uh, the other game, which I thought they did a really good job as far as design, gameplay, everything, was uh, Bioshock. Yeah, at least the original. I didn't play any of the other versions. I only Actually, played I Infinite. The one. I might play the second one too. Mm-hmm. But that one was done very well as well. You know, very story driven, kind of linear movement, but they they did a good job on that one. Yeah, I'd say if you're gonna focus a lot on one thing, just do it well, and it it will work. Like yeah. Minecraft is a super simple game, and they focused on a very right. simple aspect. And I think they're millionaires, probably. Well, he sold uh, the company, so guy sold it for a few million. Yeah. Oh, he sold it for like tons, tons of money. Over a billion. More money than I'll ever have. Yeah, that amount. Yeah. Maybe, I might have that. <laughs> never know. You never know. Little Ricardo says, "Hey, I got the money." <laughs> Microsoft yeah, bought I, Minecraft. I have my. Microsoft oh, my bought. Mojang for 2.5 billion. That's insane. I mean, they have too much money, and because I don't think it was worth that much, but Microsoft wanted the player base. That's why it was worth it that much to them. Yeah, they got the player base, and they use it not only for a gaming platform. Right. They pushed it towards the educational market, merchandising too. Yeah. Merchandising and yeah, Yeah, the amount of kids I see outside. Just carrying and some games diamond swords are really yes. successful <laughs> in that. Space. Diamond sword, sword, yeah. You know, they, they don't, they're not. I mean, it's funny. I was watching a video actually a couple weeks ago in Minecraft, and, and I've played my share of Minecraft, not tons, but people can beat that entire game now in like six minutes. I didn't even well, know it was possible. If you do the beating part, because it's. It's not yeah, really, really, it's not much to beat, but it's like the dragon, right? You get into another world or something, and you fight a dragon, and you win. Yeah, they can <laughs> yeah. go all the way to that level. Yeah, well, I think to it's be the fair, only uh, 
yeah, to be fair, the speed run is on a fixed seed, so you know what it is. Because uh, normally when right, you're playing, it, it, it is. Yeah. it's in a random place. You have to get the thingies to put in right. the place to but go to the other place. still pretty impressive regardless whether it's a fixed seed or not, right? I mean, it's pretty impressive to be able to to go through that game. Because there's, there's, like you are saying, there's not a lot to it, but there kind of is at the same time. Yeah, and no. I a giant world that's there yeah if there's a game that they knew what they were doing in terms of poc and mvp was minecraft like when they released they had just a bunch of core stuff like trees rocks some gems it it was pretty much that and it was like survive or be creative yeah and a lot of people play in creative mode no i mean that's creative at the time it's the same thing you know like i've been playing space engineers a bit lately and that's a lot of what people play in now they just play in creative mode they want to make giant spaceships and have giant space battles and more power to them but the stuff they create gives a game longevity which is awesome another game that has a very big problem with not even a little engaging late game is uh, Spore. You know, the early know. game is super fun. Like the late game is. Man. I always wanted to play Spore and I never did. It's really cool because you can build like tons of uh, creatures, right? Yeah, I, I'd say Spore is the. It's a game I would buy a sequel if they released today, just to see how it goes. Because like, the first one had a ton of limitations, and many of them can be. Justifiable Build, in terms of yeah. the time it came out and stuff. Okay. This came out yeah. in what, 2004, three? Yes. Time, or I was, oh, I, I was like, the funny thing is I was excited for it, and then I don't know why I never picked it up. And I think because it didn't get a lot of initial good reviews. Mm. And then I, you know, I, people changed their mind. I, I, I never read a score review. A friend of mine just said, oh, this game is amazing. I can lend you the game. And you're like, yeah. Sure. I can't, who made that game? That's probably why I wanted it. Will, it Will Wright. Uh, it's Maxis. Yeah, Will okay. Wright. And um, he was the game designer. It's other people. Yeah. EA, yeah. EA, well, no, yeah. it was Maximus. I don't um, know if EA had them at the they time. They didn't, not yet. No, they had. It was afterwards. Well, I, I think it is EA, actually. To, but I think, so like I think it was. EA published it. Maximus Maxis made it. Basically. Yeah, but nowadays I remember seeing EA in the load screen. Yeah, and, and I like. I think that's what it was. I liked Maxis games. Um, you know, The Sims which ones. Will Wright never. Yeah, The Sims. They had a couple Sim, other Sim, City. Sim games that I, I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, if you go to Steam and write Sim, you get a bunch of their games. Oh yeah. yeah. And yeah. the it's category it's simulation it's, will probably uh, come. It's another game that Max has made too, and I'm drawing a Sim City, all the Sims. Sim yeah, you know, A Train was one that I liked. Of course, this is just pushed it. Um, other just kind of tycoon style games that they made. Yeah, yeah, they used to do a lot of that. I have no idea what they do nowadays. Do they even exist? No, they don't. They're gone. They bought by EA, and EA now makes and publishes. The Sims games, yeah, and it's actually not as good. People don't like them. They feel like I mean, just hollow. Yeah, the, the yeah. I mean, uh, to be fair, the, last, yeah, but... The Sims was a game unique to its time, right? Like, if you look back, the game's not fun. <laughs> no, I, well, 
I played it a little it, bit. It, I can't but say it depends what you're trying to do, what you want to do. Uh, the core gameplay mechanic of like going to work, right, and yeah, stuff it's... like the fun part is yeah, building a house. It's it's basically living your life. It's it's if you, you know want to live like, like a <laughs> yeah, I felt like you spent your entire time eating and taking care doing of doing the numbers. Yeah, just it was. I had to eat more and go to the bathroom more in The Sims, I think, than I had to do in real life. <laughs> and that just kind of doesn't make sense. But I mean, in five uh, minutes, why do I have to go seven times? I, you I, know? You know, it seems it's a hard way. It's a lot of people want to escape and live a life that they can imagine. And they can do that in Sims. So they can create, they can have those fantasies, they can have those houses, they can have the jobs. Which that they I want. agree, but if it's designed to model life. But it's it's all fast, though. So when you go to work, it's like two minutes, like 30 minutes in. Not even yeah, yeah. I, I think a problem the game has is that it takes you no time to progress. And ideally, normal yeah. people make themselves in the game. So it takes you like two days of gameplay to be like max level job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It didn't appeal. I Having tried enough money I, for I love Sim. I played so much of it. I, I understand why people like it. But I also see why, like nowadays, I'm like, there's no point in even investing a minute in it. Cause, yeah. Because Twitter <laughs> I played a lot of it as well. Now you can just post on the internet every five seconds when you it's, go to the restroom. Yeah, it's cool when you're yeah. young too, because you're young, you have all the time in the world. You're like, let me just build my life that I want when I'm older. Like, yeah. It makes sense. You're you're 12 years old. You're like, oh I don't God, have a job. Let's get let's get a fake job. Now I got yeah. a job. Yeah. Oh well, no, I, I see. Job, I, I what I did was I used cheat codes. I don't need to model my existing life in a game. That yeah, no, really you wouldn't. You would build like a big ass house, or you would like burn that all the houses down. You would. You know, mess around, and you could live. I didn't. I like to choose cheat codes and build mansions, and never worry about working in the game. It wasn't about that. Yeah, that's what my mom used to do as well. Yeah. Just build houses. Because it's cool. It's Again, that's another thing. It's designed too, right? It's yeah. designed. It's it's yeah. it's a precursor to kind of the open world games, right? Before mm-hmm. the kind of real three D open worlds came out, you had The Sims or or other similar building games that you could do that on and then the open worlds kind of came out and changed the uh the demographics a little bit yeah you know and also well, like nowadays you have minecraft which you build your house. like right yeah like the it's the same like feeling you get like yeah you're building a house <laughs> you sound bored you're like, it has like five million other mechanics yeah i tried to play yeah. minecraft again like uh, last year uh, it was fun, like uh, until you realize that you die and you lose so much. Yeah, I lost well, my account and I can't get it back, so I, oh, I wasn't gonna buy it again. It's all good, but this is, whole conversation has it could be a whole other episode. We'll probably do one at the end of the series where we just talk about what's good about good no game games, design, yeah. bad game design. Yeah, we do like yeah. maybe two points that you could get away with ten years ago that you can't today. Yeah, that's not yes. Let's, let's do that. Like, terrible games that about? were super successful because they came out at a good time. You're right. Let's take a moment to yeah. uh, talk about our sponsors, which is ourselves. No. Pretty <laughs> much, right? This is us. <laughs> it's us. It's, it's you guys. It's everyone. It's everybody who wants to buy a game TV course. You are our sponsors. But no, seriously, though. So GameDev.TV has released a new platform. It's actually part of the website itself, but to access it, you have to go to courses.gamedev.tv slash courses. We'll put it in the show notes. But right now we have Game Dev, a Unity 3D Game Dev kit course. We have the 
Git course, and we have the RPG. And then they're slowly making the MF for games course. But how do you guys feel about the course, the, uh, the, course, the new platform? I like the new platform. Um, I, I certainly am anxious to see it expand. Uh, you know, it, it's it's new. I get it. It just has a little bit of limitations to it. But I mean, all in yeah, all, it's on alpha. I'd say. Yep. It, exactly. I mean, I think once everything gets migrated over, it'll be yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's gonna yep. be so much work. I don't. Yeah. Get, I'm They're really doing... happy. I'm not the guy who has to copy and paste oh, okay. a bunch of stuff. They're doing a lot. It's a lot of work because they have to get all the videos and, and you know download them back. The problem or... is that. You know, they get watermarked with Udemy, so you got to you gotta go and re-render things. It's a lot of things, but I believe that the platform is going to be the best thing for them in the long run. Yeah, I agree. Uh, especially, like, guys, if, you, if I had to pick one of the two courses they have there right now, I'd pick Git. Like, totally, I, I oh, find I Git a skill that... Yeah, I'm never tired of saying that. I think I said it, like, five times in this podcast already, but the amount of like game devs that I see that never use Git, never use any source control, trying to get a job, like dude, right. it's one of the most important parts of coding in a big project. Like you need source control. Yeah, it's extremely important. Yeah, and... I the same note. I I would. It's Git. You almost want to say they should have done that course years ago. Yeah, I think true. everybody should take it. I wouldn't say necessarily before you take a Unity course or whatever, but take it in tandem. It's not a huge course. Yeah, or know, like whatever. Do the it, very basic game dev course, so you have the course. Yeah. Do Git and then go to intermediate and advanced I mean, stuff. You'll realize so quick how useful it is. And I mean, and I'm starting to see more and more people on the forums do it they're linking to their githubs or yeah you know whatnot and it just makes it so much easier to assist people if it's i can go look at their source code yeah wow. and like even you because if you know git uh you can like get involved in open source projects yep and then you have a portfolio and out of the sudden you have a job <laughs> And you're exactly. actually doing what you love. You're like, whoa. Oh, or, or at worst, man, you're just managing your own code base, even if it's not games. If you're developing other apps yeah. or web exactly. pages, Git is a or you just want you can version use for stuff. Everything. Yeah, yeah I'm not a game developer. I develop code analysis software. Right. <laughs> Very non-game stuff. And I, yeah, I do like 50 Git commands per day or more. Exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I do I do IT day to day, so it's like I don't have a. I wouldn't say I don't have a use for Git, but like my scripts and stuff like that, man, I just throw them in a repository and version them. Yeah, you know, because I want to break things. Stuff. Yeah, you know, oh. you are always going to break things. Oh yeah, it happens yeah. It's way too much. Wait. Yeah, I was very excited that they released that course. I, I, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, like today. I broke the build, and what we did, we rolled back to the previous commit. And everything was working fine. Right. And then I just checked out the commit that broke the build and fixed it. Exactly. Yeah. Then yeah. no one had to go crazy over it. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That course is beautiful. And also, we'll leave a uh, link in the show notes that gives you guys a discount for uh, enrolling in the game kit course and the Git course. You'll take the Git course. It's phenomenal. 
And it, for this podcast and the rest of the mini series, take the game kit course. It's really easy. You, it's everything's programmed. The scripts. There's assets. There's everything you need to make a game. Literally, take you ten minutes. You can design a small level, and you'd be like, "Wow, this looks phenomenal." And you can start thinking about game design patterns, game design mechanics. You can just start thinking about a lot of things and get going. And then you can move on to other courses and start learning programming and start learning art, start learning blend, like a lot of things. Just get yeah. going. Check out the courses. We'll leave all the links. Yeah, I think you touched the important points that makes a big difference between learning, you know, on your own and learning from a course. Uh, patterns. Like yes. knowing design patterns. Because yeah. if you're doing stuff like just to do it unorganized without just trying to make things work, you end up with a lot of spaghetti code and things impossible to maintain. We don't want the spaghetti monster to attack. And sometimes that's going to be a good game and you want to invest time in it. And then so you see you... my spy hunter code is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Message received. Fix my code. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't refactored it at all, so. But yeah, important yeah, read for everyone who's willing to code. Yeah, please read. Code yes. Code. Yes. Yeah. Now that I moved, I have mine next to my computer instead of, yeah. well, somewhere else because my computer used to sit everywhere. Now I have an actual desk that I can do stuff on. Look like, at that. There you nice. go. Code. <laughs> Making money moves. And play. Mostly play. Awesome. Well, as we continue, the, to give a more visual, we are going from designer, which is like motivation, clients, responsibility, a team, documents when it comes to game design. For instance, for motivation, it's like, you know, decide if you want to be a game designer, decide if you want to be a game developer, decide what you want to become, and then go from there. So if you want to be a game designer, you're a game designer. Now go become, go learn the skills, go do the things. You're now a designer. You can design everything now. There's no, oh, when I become, no, you're today, right now, your game is out. Yeah, the process is, yeah, exactly. You are, if you, today, there's no, no more questions. You may suck at it, but you are. Yeah, but you yeah. are. You'll yes, learn. You're five games. Yes, there's well, many courses. But I am. Yes, but right. you are. To learn from. Then we go processes, like idea, iteration, putting stuff together. Then we go to the game, the game itself, which is like mechanics, puzzles, balance. Then we go to like themes, technology elements all that stuff and then we move into player which is like community transformation and then the whole experience is like the world building story spaces interest curve and direct control players mind stuff like that that's the broad visual did you just say control players minds no 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 no, my bad so i said (laughs) indirect control and then players mind uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might be controlling, but you know, we're secretly creating a little game design that's gonna control everybody's mind and brain. Yeah, and we're like, the world. We're gonna call it the Matrix. Don't don't worry, it's coming out soon. It's coming. <laughs> oh, by the way, why don't we have an open world Matrix game like an MMO? Okay, so there why? was one called PlayStation Home, kind of, and it it just I it doesn't appeal to a lot of people. Because of the like fact a matrix that... game, like with agents and like okay. uh, actually you have there uh, was a the name of the MMO in in, in at the end at the beginning of uh, the Secret World is it Secret World? 
it has the same vibe. Okay, it's Secret Worlds? Worlds? Yeah, is it like you can be Illuminati, hmm. two other know. factions? Okay, I thought you meant like a world where you can. I think it's well, Secret Worlds, the, na the name of the MMO, but like a Matrix cool. MMO. You know what? You ever watch Ready Player One? Let's just make that. I never saw never it. Never saw it. Oh, no. <laughs> watch it, please. And, and I would say that a Matrix game wouldn't appeal to me. I kind of lost interest in Matrix after about the second one, to be honest. Yeah, I watched all of them, actually. I watched so them all. Like, the last couple of days. Yeah, every once in a while I watched them. I never them. watched the second or third one until like two days ago. But uh, they were okay. I actually enjoyed them. They were okay. I just, I lost. The first one I thought they're was They're making really a new one. They're, they're making the next, the fourth one. That's why I watched them, right? What would the fourth one be? It just starts over again? I don't know. Right. I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, every, spoiler every alert if you haven't seen this movie from 1999. Uh, <laughs> so at the end, the, the main character dies. and uh, <laughs> But he wins. And he but dies. they win, and apparently they would reset the Matrix, but him dying made it not so. I don't, I don't know. I must have missed that part. Yeah, it says it begins production in 2020. If you didn't know, now you know. I, yeah, honestly. the next movie is going to be the Oracle and the Architect talking. <laughs> right, about what world they're going to create, right? Yeah. And how they're going to introduce a bug to it. I don't, you know. Yeah. But it's I know not you a bug, it's a feature. Too. And Come on. when you... Motivation, I, I find to be a big one for the game dev students. Not that they don't have motivation, but my, my two cents on motivation is start small with something that you know you can complete don't bite off more than you chew on your first project right mm -hmm. yeah got to be realistic with scope and what you can realistically complete i think a lot of people uh you know like we always say they want to make the next world of warcraft ah uh, yeah and that's not realistic start with pinball yeah. you the, know the amount of blog posts five million and 37 i see on Facebook groups of a guy trying to make an MMO and like right. it looks like 2006 WoW it plays yeah. like a 1990s game exactly because you don't have a <laughs> few face. million dollars no 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 yeah. face it oh if you do call me but you exactly. probably don't have a few million dollars spare and it kind of comes into knowing your limitations too right yeah. i mean maybe graphically you can put together a world of Warcraft. Do you even have the skill set to put together the server architecture that would take you to launch an MMO? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, there's Amazon. There's Azure. You can put stuff in the cloud, but it still has a huge back end component, right? Yeah. It's just not realistic for someone starting. And if you think you're going to figure that part out later, you're not going to because you probably already you have to go back your... and remake your entire game right because you didn't have the networking components built into it and you look yeah. at some of these things like i looked at i had a diagram years ago i saw of clash of clans and kind of how that works and it's a very complex environment right you wouldn't think that that game would have such a complex back end but you know basically you talked about the client and how the client talked to a front-end server in the cloud and when you did a transaction, it then replayed your transaction on another server to verify that you could actually do that and you weren't cheating the system in any way. So 
little things like that they're kind of cool and it's interesting to see in an architectural design but it's like if you're not thinking that stuff through it's going to be hard especially games yeah. that you know they they obviously had microtransactions involved so i mean they have a, a certain level of a financial responsibility to not yeah. screw people over but if you're just making a game for fun then so be it but i mean i think you can make an open world game as a single developer especially if you just recognize that you're going to add content to it right you're going to start off small and you're going to add more and more and more and more and maybe your team grows over time but yeah you can always have a plan of making it open world like make a yeah. close level make it work well exactly once yeah. you release it get an alpha out if it works you will get people interested in right. helping you you know open world doesn't of, have to be let the community huge. help you it doesn't have to be GTA 5 type of map. It could be like a small yeah. map and it's open exactly. world essentially, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but seriously, yeah. For, especially first few games, if you don't so, have if you don't know you can do it, if you think, yeah, I'll be able to do it, make a Mario, not a GTA. Right. No, That's what I'm saying. Start small. Smart you know, nothing's more nothing's more appealing than actually completing a project, right? Yeah, exactly. And if you start too big. You're just you'll never finish like, it, and then you finish it. I'll never get that satisfaction. I'll never start another project yeah. because I didn't finish this project. You know, it's so easy to dream of your ideal game and then just realize, no. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to make a wow, if you want to make a wow, there are easier paths. Like make a few million dollars and then buy, buy a wow, buy Blizzard. Yes, yeah, Blizzard. You need a couple more than a million dollars. Maybe a yeah, little bit billion. More. I don't know how Maybe much. Maybe trillion. Is it's but, worth. you know, but you know, motivation. It's a good one. I mean, it's it's. But I I do do say start start realistic. It's like we were talking about with uh, some of the adapting some of the courses and Project Boost back in the Unity course is one of those that I feel like as simple as it is, you can kind of do a lot with it. I remember a lot of old school games like Choplifter and other ones that are really not that different than Project Boost. You know, you, you flew a helicopter around and landed on a target and picked up little people. I mean, it wasn't like it was a complex game. Project Boost essentially has that. You can add a lot of mechanics into that game to kind of make it your own. And it's a realistic bite-sized project that you can complete in a few weeks or months, depending on how creative you want to get. No, yeah, exactly. you can always do something like a Zelda. Do the original Zelda. Copy paste it. Like yeah. if it's just to practice, you don't have to right. have it legally safe to release. Right. Just I, I always get caught yeah, on tile. Knock it off. Right? Yeah. Make a mm -hmm. Zelda knockoff. Right, exactly. Who cares? Absolutely. Like it, you're doing it to learn to program and design, not to sell it. money or sell yet because you're going That's to do that later when you actually exactly. know how to make a game. Yeah, otherwise it's like they always you, yeah. it's a project you get excited about and it's your game. Yeah. You know. Yeah, the like, guys who made RuneScape they uh, I was watching their documentary and they were say, they were saying like uh, when they were kids like in the late 90s they yeah, they what they did was they learned to program by like making games, game dev .tv style. <laughs> Yep. Basically, they uh, they made a Mario. They made a. I don't know. I I can't think of any other old games to right. bring up. Um, they made a Zelda. Like they made a clone of the game, just so they right. could learn how to make that. They tried to make a shooter. They made a racing game. And then yeah, exactly. they went to college and made their their actual game. 
Oh, hey, and sold it for a few million to the YouTube channel, Chinese right? company. So the whole YouTube channel's for, right? We're going to start kind of cloning old school games and, and uh, making yeah. them our own, but at the same time, the same thing, right? Learning how to do it. Just, you know, yeah. take your skills and expand them. Yeah, and it's much easier to learn a fixed thing instead of a ever-moving goal, like an MMO. Right. Or trying to and figure I mean, out the mechanics. The, the, yeah. the, yeah, I'll call it the mechanics, for lack of a better word, that's the, uh, that the games have. Whether it's economies or just player stats or whatever. It's like someone's already done all that work for you. Just leverage what they did. Yeah. And know that they kind of play tested it, vetted it. You just have to mimic it. Yeah, and another important thing about making an MMO, you have multi-million dollar companies trying to do it, and they are failing. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so expensive to to leave the servers running, so you need so many people buying and paying for your game, and it doesn't happen. Yeah. Your best bet would not be an MMO. Your best bet would be like... Uh like a battlefield style game. You know, you could maybe yeah. leverage a Better. little bit of MMO-ish style gameplay, but create a uh, a chat room, server room yeah. that people can just link to each other. You know, Unreal does that very nicely. You know, the whole... Yeah, especially you know, yeah, pick nowadays, a session on... networking is so much easier, like for right. small servers. The problem starts when you get hundreds and thousands of people there. Yeah, keep it simple. Keep it a couple dozen players at one time. Yeah, if you can kiss. Exactly. It, it, quite honestly, it'd be a challenge for probably the average person just starting off to even manage 32 simultaneous players in a game, yeah. I would imagine. You know, syncing the data sessions and everything, you know. Start small, but I mean, like I thought about at one point kind of rebuilding the uh, Battlefront, the original Battlefront for Star you Wars. You mean Star Wars? Yeah. That would be dope. We should do I mean, it. It's... it's it's 1942, right? It's the same thing as our snowball game yeah. idea, right? It's, we it's should a, do just it. a very simple, you know, could I think of a lot of fun little tweaks to throw into it? Absolutely. My graphic skills sucks. So everything's going to be giant cubes, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, if it comes let's, fun, let's giant cubes shooting each other, it's always fun. And you can yeah. like that someone no, who I'm more doesn't shapes, like the giant know? cubes, but like. I'm not going to model a TIE fighter, model a flying brick. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll do that. I love messing around with Blender. I enjoy it too, but it's just kind of one of those, you know. But I mean, I'm saying, right? If you want to get kind of into that space, take that game, take Battlefield or Battlefront, and model it. Unreal is naturally designed for that kind of game, right? I mean, that's the original Unreal. So, all going with what we were all talking about, this this is a quote: "What game designers release the first ten games are all bad or something." So just get it out there. Get all your games out there. Recreate everything. Get the bad games out first. So that way you can start making good games. And then you can learn so much more if you take learning out of the courses and out of the books and this podcast. And you go into the world and you start testing things. You start building the game. So don't think of this as like the end all. Like you listen to this podcast and you go, or you take a course and you go... All right, now I know everything. It's just the beginning of a continuous process of study, practice, assimilation, and synthesis that's going to last the rest of your game dev journey. And so it's through this mini-series, we're going to, you know, give you guys everything that you should 
know about game design. And it's not an easy subject to talk about. There's lenses and fundamentals which are useful to us, but to truly understand game design is to understand an incredibly complex web of creativity, psychology, art, technology, and business. And we're going to do all that in our mini-series. So get ready for the next, or the first technically episode next week. And it does not make much difference what a person studies. All knowledge is related, and the man who studies anything, if he keeps at it, will become learned. So if you want to learn game design, stay tuned. If you just want to learn how to code, I still believe that you can learn a lot from this couple episodes.